Welcome to Driven Radio Show, your home for car talk covering the latest news to the greatest views on the biggest names in performance, sports, and just plain cool driving machines. Your hosts are freelance auto journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com, Brett Hatfield, plus videographer and host of the YouTube channel Craving Cars, Corey Pratt, and 35-year radio veteran, book publisher, and vehicular village idiot, Mark Catfish Groves. Let's rev up the conversation time for driven radio show welcome to driven radio it's your weekly automotive hubble i can write it but i can't say it <laughs> shall we try that one again i think nah, screw it we're going okay. i remember, uh, take my, a second I remember ride, my first time too i'm gonna sound it out like mom told me <laughs> Hullabaloo. There you go. I am Brett Hatfield here with our engineer and, and giggle box. Yeah, pretty much. Mr. Crager Fish Groves over there. You're damn there. right. And the evil genius of Craving Cars on YouTube, Mr. Corey Pratt. Hey, that's me. Mr. Corey has a, led, has a message for all of us this holiday season. Oh, yeah. Hey, all you some bitches out there, <laughs> go to YouTube and subscribe to Craving Cars. He's 80 people away from monetizing the sucker which means they will pay him pay his front pockets are tingly yes he'll be able to afford to get some new front teeth for christmas well it's getting a little stiff there and an elephant yeehaw dude that is awesome only 80 away so how many is that total it'd be a thousand no shit Really, and it, it's crazy because it's been a it's been a huge struggle thing. I have no way I was over two hundred away from getting it. And for some reason, in the last month I've gotten over a hundred. It just needs to keep going, dude. That's so awesome. People are so I cool told sometimes. Because you told him, I told, told everybody. You told him again. All twelve people listen. <laughs> I done told him. We only need eighty more, <laughs> and then I can make fifty cents a month. <laughs> Damn, yeah. well, I'm YouTube rich. If we get eighty taxes. more listeners here, <laughs> we'll have eighty more listeners. Yes. <laughs> We're coming to you from Driven Radio Studios in uh, what I think is a bar in beautiful (laughs) Overland Park, Kansas. You can find us online at DrivenRadioShow.com, ReadTheDriven.com, follow... Lean further away from the microphone when you drink. That way they can't hear the ice cubes. I was trying. <laughs> the furthest I can stretch. I thought that was Sandy Claus. That was pretty good. <laughs> I'm Sandy Claus. <laughs> here's, here's our Christmas background music. Yeah, there, there we go. go. Here comes Santa Claus. Here comes Santa Claus. He's drunk once again. <laughs> You can find us online at DrivenRadioShow.com, ReadTheDriven.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show. And listen on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music. Keep counting them, buddy. Audible, Pod News, iHeartRadio, Acast, Overcast, your neighbor's living room, your neighbor's bathroom. You can find us just about everywhere. I, I ran out of fingers. <laughs> Don't unzip. Are you We're kidding? N- I'm from the Ozarks. I'm still counting. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been doing in cars this week, folks? Corey. Uh, not nothing. Not a whole lot. It's been too cold. It kind of has been. I mean, last weekend didn't do much. The weekend before, took, obviously, took the Porsche out. But, I mean, really, nice. it just I, I've 
I'm kind of behind on editing. Go figure. Um, but it's been more of a concentration of uh, getting Christmas together. And, yeah, well, uh, we, got, we got the kids coming over we, to, to the house and stuff. So got all that stuff going on. A couple weekends ago, Rhonda and I went out and did Mr. and Mrs. Claus in the Corvette. Cool for a charity parade for a very sick young man in Gardner. Dude, that was adorable. I saw the picture yes. on Facebook. Yeah, and that it was, was kind of awesome. cool, man. That was super. Awesome. And uh, then it was weird. We went and drove through a couple of neighborhoods, and we went and saw my folks and. We had little kids chase us through neighborhoods like Santa Claus had traded off the sleigh. <laughs> it was incredible, yeah. and it was a lot of fun. So we're going to do it again this weekend. We're going to drive around cool. and give out candy canes and stuff like that. You know, if you're really good about it, you'll go to uh, some older grocery store and buy, you know, eight pounds of that crappy Brock's candy. <laughs> you remember the, one, <laughs> the ones that were in the dumpsters that you yeah. could dig through with the shovel <laughs> yeah, and it's just, put in a bag? It's still 47 cents a metric oh, ton. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> just remember that those, those ones with the noogity-looking stuff are awful but the no. you know the yeah. caramel ones are great i'm waiting for him to say you can pass it out with a wrist rocket <laughs> here you go junior <laughs> open your mouth and run backwards sam is tasty but hateful <laughs> and then mark gave up on his car dream i did but he realized another dream it's kind of funny yeah you trade in one for the other because one can cost a hell of a lot less than the other uh i the in one theory. of the other things that i wanted i, I was 20 geez 24 when i bought at a garage sale a 50 dollar motorcycle it was a 1968 i believe suzuki and uh, just a cool little thing that i barely got running because i didn't know d about it and uh i did get to ride it around Demi's a little bit dick yeah, yeah. i was <laughs> and it was cool and i haven't had another one since and then i after that 55 plymouth just really i was done yeah effing done yeah and uh but i still kind of was like well there are motorcycles out there so i started sniffing around son of a bitch uh, it was a choice between this this poor guy, and I feel sorry for him, went and looked at a, a Suzuki, an 81 Suzuki GS650L. Yes. And it was sharp. Yes. The thing is, when and I went to look I at it. And what did I tell you? Well, you said, you know, that would be a great one to buy because it's fairly bulletproof and at the price point was really good. I believe the phrase I used was buy the effort. And the guy, the though, effort. what's the, he, uh, no, I, I knew what D stands for now, but what's the effort stand for? I'll show you later. Okay. <laughs> it's uh this one, it, he didn't, you know, the battery's dead. Yeah. Couldn't start it. Didn't get to hear it start. Didn't oh, get to hear it run. Didn't know oh. if it was grinding on the inside. Yeah. You know, it was better than that. Old uh, bike. It was better than that Honda I went to look at yeah. where it was drizzling gas and wouldn't turn over. Ooh, I love those kinds. And so, <laughs> it's Saturday morning. I was going to go look at it again and buy it, quite honestly. Uh, if it started and ran, if yep. you could ride around the block, yep. I'd have bought it. Yeah. However, I happened to find another <laughs> bike. Thank you, Facebook. And it was a uh, 2006 Yamaha um, VN750. Yeah, Vulcan yeah. Uh, 750. And I'm like, you know, that thing's pretty good looking. It looked clean, and it had 3,900 miles on it. We're yes. just going to do this to you from now on. <laughs> live, live long and throttle. <laughs> live uh, long and throttle. So I uh, I decided, and it was, in, it was in, you know, Olathe. So I decided to go over and take a peek at it, and I'll be damned. And then, you know, I called you like my freaking lifeline. I said, hey, dude, there's this thing. It sent you a picture. And you're like, I'll be over in 30. Uh-huh. It had no miles on it. No. It was under 4,000 miles. Wow. Really? It hadn't nice. been ridden at all. Holy moly. You got a brand new bike. Basically, yeah. So uh, I made him an offer at uh, about 20% less than he was asking. Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah. He Which said, was yeah, a solid offer. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It was still a solid yeah, offer. So but good. And then 
<laughs> and then and then it becomes uh, Brett's story. Oh, okay, all right. And, and then Mister Mark, the sil- silver tongue devil that he is, talked his his retarded friend <laughs> oh. into riding the thing home in twenty nine degree oh, weather. Dude, who is this? Who is this so called friend that you're referring to? It was <laughs> seriously, man. It, it was Prancer's ass cold outside. Oh, and it was so he, cold. Dude. He popped on a hat and a jacket and uh, well, and I rode was it home for I me. was smart enough. Well, here's here's a really Stuck sad thing. Between the Block. Here's a real, <laughs> not Warm even Here's a really sad story. All of my cold weather clothing now yeah. says Harley on it somewhere. <laughs> All my cold weather clothing is motorcycle clothing. It's either Harley or it's textile jackets. So I'd taken my Harley jacket with me, and I got there, and I'm I'm looking at the bike, and I told Mark, "Go ahead, and buy it. It's it's a cool bike. It runs. Everything's great." And then I start thinking, <laughs> well, it's only two miles from his house. What the hell are we gonna do? Well, I got a pair of insulated work gloves in the truck, and a ball cap, and a pair of shades, okay. and a bandana, and so I loaded up with what I had, ball cap, my really super warm Harley jacket, and then everything else questionable or moderately questionable, like a ball cap, like a ball cap, yeah. yeah. And then I rode the sucker home. I got on and started to take off. Mark said he followed me to the next stop sign, except I wasn't there. Yeah, he, he was gone, man. I, I go to find him because I'm, I'm pulling out and I'm waiting and I'm like, he's going to come around that other end of the street. He, dude's gone, man. <laughs> I'm like, shit. My, my thought was, it's two miles. If I do 60, 65 down this <laughs> mile an hour street, it, it, this won't last very long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The flip side of that is when it's cold, the faster you go, Yeah. and I know this from having ridden in every kind of weather under the sun. Yep. The colder it is. Well, I managed to freeze my forebrain in the first mile. And then after that, it was, you know, my torso was warm from the coat. (laughs) And my hands were okay. But my head, oh, Lord, was it cold. Yeah, and Mark blue find, body out afterwards. Yeah, Mark showed up at his house about five minutes after I got there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dang. Because I finally took off. I'm like, I got to figure out where this guy is. Yeah, and yeah he's at my house. <laughs> so he, he pulls in and gets out of his truck and looks at me, and I said, that's why I don't widen when it's cold. He <laughs> curse you. Oh, and With a little like, cracking noises when he got out. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and, and just as a side note to tell you how stupid I really am, yeah. th- as if you didn't no, already never. know. It's a Kawasaki, not a Yamaha. It is a Kawasaki. Yeah, it's a Kawasaki. But it's a very clean Kawasaki. It's it's cool colors. It's red and black. It's got a lot of chrome. It's nice and comfortable, and it's got a little pep to it. So yeah. it'll be a great bike for him. And then I drug Mark over here, and I emptied my garage into <laughs> yeah. the back of his truck. Oh, my truck. God. All I like that with so much stuff. All, awesome. the, all the excess riding gear I've ever had, I think Mark took home. He's going to be... <laughs> Trying to sort it out for years, figuring out how bad I unloaded on him. I was trying to wear it out and puff up in front of the wife, and she's like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Michelin man, good for you. And that's, <laughs> and that's something. Aren't you special? That's yeah. good stuff. You got a helmet yet? Don't you get on that GD bike. Uh, right. He's got four helmets. None of them fit. <laughs> so, oh, and a side note, they, it did come with two helmets. It was the coolest thing. Yeah. I, I put them pretty cheap on uh, uh, Facebook Marketplace because I looked them up and they're cheap everywhere else. Well, used helmets are yeah. used helmets. So uh, I put, put them up there, 50 bucks for this pair of almost unused helmets. And I got a uh, I got a ping from some guy who couldn't, uh, and I, I mean this with all due respect, uh, English was not his strongest suit. In, uh, in As a text, third language. Bless his pee-picking heart, but he's like, yeah, I, I come pick up. Sure. 
you got 50 bucks i'm your man <laughs> this guy shows up he's just the nicest guy on tuesday i walk out with the helmet he's got the 50 bucks and he's he does yard work and he tells me he bought them so that he and his family could wear them while they raced mowers in the backyard. <laughs> and I'm like, you're my effing hero, Mr. Man. Sonny, That's I love you. Awesome. So I hope they keep you safe and you have a great time with your kids racing your mowers. That's yes. freaking awesome. That's unbelievable. All right. Well, this week in the news, VW says they're going to be hanging on to Lamborghini and Ducati. Not going to get rid of them just yet. Bugatti is recalling uh, Sharon's and Devo's. Worldwide Auctioneers is moving their Scottsdale sale to Indiana. And Barrett Jackson is moving their Scottsdale sale to March. Our special guest this week is Peter Clute of Legendary yeah. Motor Car Company. This guy is cool. Peter will be here to tell us about having TV shows about classic cars, being one of the world's foremost automotive restorers, and owning, restoring, and selling Carroll Shelby's personal Cobra. Oh. I don't know that he owned it, but he's had it in his shop. And, and damn, that's too cool. <laughs> yeah, super uh, cool. All that and much more is coming up here on Driven Radio. We got a lot of news to cover, guys, so let's get to it. From Road and Track, Lamborghini and Ducati are staying with the Volkswagen Group. So that is cool. Actually, I did not want Lamborghini to go because they, they, they've done so well with this company. And I think being part of VW Group is good for them. Remember, Indeed. beforehand, Lamborghini changed hands a bunch of times. They belonged to Chrysler for a while. Yep. I think they be- didn't they belong to an Indonesian investment uh, group for a while? Uh, Tata, who the, who the yeah. <laughs> it might. Would it be all it's that smart. surprising? It could be Tata. <laughs> they come with three wheels. You have to buy an extra fourth one. On <laughs> yeah, but uh, remember, Tata owns Jaguar and Land Rover. Oh my God! Yes, so. they do. So the biggest of British cars aren't really British. Yeah, well, yeah. Anyways, uh, with they the would need... have been fifty years ago. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> they belong to someplace yeah. that Britain once once conquered. Yeah, you know, it's just saying. But I agree with you, Brett. They, they've you done very well for Lamborghini, though. Yeah. Horses. Yes. So, uh, anyway, so with the need though, the slash cost for investment investing heavily in electrification, the Volkswagen Group considers spinning off some of its less essential luxury brands like Lamborghini, Ducati, and Bugatti, actually. They're talking about that, too. The group has announced that Lamborghini and Ducati are sticking around, so that's good. good. Uh, Though no announcement has been made regarding Bugatti, unfortunately. And after the next story, there may be one. Yeah, yeah, I never know. Now, didn't uh, Ducati make some really cool bike? It was yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, remember, we just yes. talked about that a couple weeks yes, ago. I thought so. Yeah, yeah. 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 It was. Uh, it it mimicked a lot of the design and styling cues from the Lamborghini Sion. Yeah. The, the, I'm probably Some mispronouncing really that. Cool, it was a badass Lambo that was probably more expensive uh, a lot than the other most expensive Lamborghini. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, pretty there much. And then the Ducati. You're right. They had a kind of a version of what looked like it. Yeah. So additionally, though, Volkswagen confirmed that Bentley. So also owned by the group uh, would be placed under the Audi control. I forget so, how much stuff VW owns. Yeah, oh they, boy, it's 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 huge. Anyways, as the two brands are set to share lots of electric car technology in the coming years, and all of this news came following a Volkswagen Group board meeting in which the board made concessions to Germany's powerful labor unions. Oh boy, labor unions! Yeah, don't you love an them? electric Bentley? Is it going to have like its own, you know, uh, nuclear reactor on the inside? Because kind of Jesus to. God, that yeah, yeah, moving that much metal. Yeah, well, they're going to pull it out of one of the American destroyers. <laughs> Pardon me, not a destroyer, an <laughs> aircraft carrier. Carrier. Well, something new and unrelated here uh, from Road and Track Bugatti. <laughs> has a recall on the but it's sh- not really well okay so recall Chiron's and Devo's over stability control faults 
So don't worry, mechanically your car's fine, guys. So, so it's the stability of the people that buy it. Uh, <laughs> is it good? No, no, it's it's American regulation. There oh, you go. gotcha. Yeah, it's it's a. If you are one of the lucky few individuals in the U.S. who owns a new Bugatti Chiron, uh, Chiron Sport, or Devo, well, your car might need are. some reprogramming. Bugatti has whip it. Huh? Devo. Whip oh, it good. Okay, sorry. There you go. Uh, Bugatti. <laughs> Bugatti has issued an official recall through the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration for a total of 79 Bugattis built between 2007 and 2020. 79. That's a recall? That is a recall. <laughs> I just got one for Chevy for my truck. They've got like 2 billion Chevy trucks yeah, no because, you know, the passenger yeah. side uh, uh, safety bag wants to explode on your ass. So, you know, but it's 79? Yeah, yeah. Whatever. If yours was going to pop, it would pop already. Yeah, yeah you'd there think you go. so. Yeah. yeah. That's okay. I've got one I haven't done. The passenger one supposedly might have shrapnel in it or something. Oh, yeah. You know, so I should probably get that looked oh at. But God, I just looked at this. The recall affects certain Chiron's and Chiron Sports and the company's $5.8 billion Devos. Yeah. $5.8 million. $5.8 million. Well, hold on, hold on. That, that's 5.8 well, before options. <laughs> that's the base model. Yeah, no. that's that's before. Uh, I'm I'm sorry. Either <laughs> either way, they're gonna have a, that needless markup gift bag sitting yeah. in the passenger seat. Eighty-seven thousand dollar right. radio oh, AM. <laughs> well, these cars hold you different positions <laughs> and different price points. Of course, within uh, Bugatti's lineup, they're vastly similar underneath. So it does uh, make sense that they use some sort of the uh, stability control software uh, oh, so, that the other so one uses. It, this so. is not a real recall. It's, it's just the NHTSA whining about their You want to know what kind of recall this is? It's stupid. Crap. It's crap. Yeah. It's a stupid recall. <laughs> okay. Well. So here's how the, the – this, well, this is why it's stupid. Here's how the uh, NHSTA's no, site explains it, it the don't fault. don't even here. bother. Just, no, no, no. I have to. I have to do it. After the ignition cycle, the electronic stability control does not automatically default back to its original mode. So if you switched over to the handling mode and in the drive mode switch, when you turn the car off and turn it back on, it's still in handling mode. No. Yeah. Terrible, isn't it? Those bastards. I know. So, but unfortunately, that vehicle falls to basically not comply with the, the regulations yeah. at the Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standard number, number 126. have a drive mode. Yeah. Man. <laughs> How many people turn their, their Bugatti on and immediately go right to the handling mode? Because who the hell wants to drive in the standard mode anyways? I mean, seriously. I know, right? I would think a lot of their customers would prefer it that way. I'm like, uh, yeah, they're, it's, hopefully it's a not a voluntary. I keep my Bugatti a, in granny gear. Right. Okay, well, give them the well, number so we can move on. Well, it's, it's it was issued in November, <laughs> so the recall is set to begin December 16, 2020. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, it's free of charge because of being a recall. 79 owners affected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Bugatti's customer service line is 1703 <laughs> Because we have so many Ducati or Bugatti owners. for more info. Awesome. Eight two six seven five four five. Did you know that uh, I, I, <laughs> BR Pizza five shuttle. four nine? I don't know how many made it to the United States, but the Devos. You know, yeah. there's only forty of those made worldwide, anyways. Oh wow. Yeah. yeah, and I'm sure several of their owners are listening to this and yeah. pissed. <laughs> All of them about the car and the show. Yeah, and the show. <laughs> KPCnews.com brings us this: worldwide auctioneers are moving Scottsdale sale to Auburn. 
Uh, Worldwide Auctioneers is conduct, uh, will conduct its annual Scottsdale auction as a live and digital event at its home office in Auburn, Indiana, rather Which than is right at next the usual door to Arizona. Scottsdale. <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of funny. Why would you go to Scottsdale? Why would you go through all that when you can't do anything anyway? This is essentially Worldwide just saying, F it, we're not packing. Yeah, let's just do it from home. You Screw know, it. We're all working from home now. I got my jammies on, my slippers. I'm not going <laughs> yeah, I'm comfy. It's all internet auctions. Yeah. You're not going to show me for the waist uh, uh, down, right? I'm good. <laughs> yeah. uh, the company, pants? What are pants? What are pants? <laughs> uh, the company said its boutique sale now is scheduled for Saturday, January 23rd at 11, five days before my birthday, hey, at 11 hey. a.m. at its headquarters in Cruz Plaza, southwest of Auburn. Sale will feature a hand-selected offering of pre-war automobiles, classics, <laughs> Pre-Vietnam War. Exotics. It's... <laughs> Select American muscle car. I'm still saying it's 91. <laughs> the first Iraq. It's, it's pre-golf, pre-golf war. war. Pre-golf yeah, pre-golf war. war. Uh, with 80% of consignments offered without Geo reserve. Storm. <laughs> now, one of the, dude, I owned a Geostorm. <laughs> and it kicked was that, ass. Was that pre-golf war too? That's mm-hmm. the only time I actually felt like a manly man underneath a hood. Because I replaced. <laughs> underneath the hood. I replaced the exhaust manifold I twice. I replaced the power control arm for the, sure for the thingy. That, that went from statement. the other thing, and and yeah, he felt so, mainly under the hood. That's good. You're god darn right. I was. <laughs> Who had uh, twenty minutes in? of it? <laughs> Among the sales pre-war consignments is a rare 34 Packard 12 1107 Ooh. Phaeton used by President Franklin D. Roosevelt for the Chicago dedication. <laughs> President parade. Ironsides Roller. Also up for bids <laughs> is a Steelwood collection of 20 Woody wagons selling without reserve. Wow. Highlights include cool. an award-winning 1947 Merc and a fully restored 50 Merc. One of only three known to exist. Uh, the company says uh, among the modern sports and supercars in lineup are 2017 Ford GT and 85 Ferrari 308 FTS Quattro Valvole, a 2014 Ferrari F12 Berlinetta, Ooh. and a 58 Scarab Mark, Mark I, I continuation Ooh, race car, very cool. which are sexy. Yes, they are. Barrett Jackson, they're not moving to Indiana, they're moving to March. <laughs> oh. They said they're going to reschedule the Scottsdale auction to March 2021 to safeguard customers, sponsors, and guests. Aww. Uh, they went way, way out of their way to try and make things safe in October. Yeah. And it was essentially an invitation-only auction. If you are used to a regular, full-size, blowout Barrett-Jackson auction, this was a little like a ghost town. It was oh. eerie. That's, it, yeah, that's just But they weird. they uh, they were very, very adamant about putting their safety measures in place, and they did a hell of a job. Now they have announced that they are going to reschedule their January 2021 Scottsdale auction to the week of March 22nd, 2021 at West World of Scottsdale, with exact dates to be announced shortly. The difficult decision to postpone the auction was made out of an abundance of caution to auction customers, sponsors, guests, and employees Oh, you're snickering about something. Uh, West, I'm sorry, gone? Westworld. Yeah. Oh, great. So we can avoid COVID, but you're going to have to watch out for Yul Brenner. Draw, mister. <laughs> <laughs> the live March event will include the return of Barrett-Jackson Cup competition, featuring 50 vehicles from some of the nation's top custom car and truck builders. While every indication showed that our bidders, consigners, and sponsors were behind our efforts to hold the, our auction next month, we decided it would be prudent to safeguard everyone's health, said Craig Jackson, chairman and CEO of Barrett Jackson. We determined that moving our event to March seemed like the right thing to do. 
Barrett-Jackson went to great lengths to safeguard health and safety of their guests in October, and I can attest to that. I was yeah. there. You were in bubble wrap, if I remember right. <sighs> More than I care to, you know. <laughs> it's kind of like a gerbil, you know, that you just run in a bubble. You just keep walking, it'll roll with the you. The really shit thing about bubble wrap is it just doesn't breathe. It, no, it chase. No, it, it's... It, you, you, you sweat in there like you've been held at gunpoint. You know what I'm saying? Among the no-reserve collectible cars already consigned for the March Scottsdale auction are two late-model Ford GTs, a 2018-67 Heritage Edition with fewer than 20 miles, nice. and a 2017 with fewer than 80 miles. The 2017 with 80 miles comes with its own special-made trailer. Ooh. Ooh. But does it have a dash plaque? <laughs> Three. Yeah, seriously. Oh, damn! That's cool. Oh, man, Another showstopper crossing the auction block is one of the last 10 65 Shelby GT350s oh, wow. produced. Wow. I hope this crackers so, on that. Very, very... Please, there Jesus, are. yes. <laughs> there are. <laughs> they, they are Shelby designed Kragers for that car. I'll show you a picture. You're going to be sitting in your own sauce. Uh-huh. You're right, See? I am. We're going to have to do that we after We don't joke show. about these kind of things. We're serious here on right. Driven Radio. By God, mister. I'm no beggar with the Kragger. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. You just made that You just made that up. Okay, you're getting a t-shirt, buddy. Our special guest this week is Peter Clute, and he's embarrassed. Peter Clute of Legendary Motor Car. Uh, Peter Clute will be here to tell us about having TV shows restoring classic cars, being the world's fo- one of the world's foremost automotive restorers, and restoring and selling Carol Shelby's personal 427 wow. Cobra. Wow. Yeah, he's got good stories. They're too cool. All that and much more is coming up here on Driven Radio. Welcome back to Driven Radio, the sweetest smelling podcast on the web. Our special guest this week is Peter Clute of Legendary Motor Car Company. Uh, Peter established Legendary Motor Car in 1985, and he's built it into one of North America's leading collector car sales and restoration businesses. He has sold thousands of collector cars and performed hundreds of award-winning restorations over the past 30 years. For the last 13 years, Peter has produced and co-hosted the popular TV series Dream Car Garage and is now enjoying success in his new show, Legendary Motor Car, airing on the Motor Trend Network. He's also been a host of What's My Car Worth, uh, just like my other boss, Keith Martin. (laughs) And in his spare time, Peter races in the Canadian Tire NASCAR Series and in Sports Car Vintage Racing Association. Peter, welcome to Driven Radio. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. What a bio, dude. That's, that's... <laughs> you know, and whoever, uh, I guess uh, Shelly sent it to you, it was actually, we did 13 seasons of, of Dream Car, but that's almost 20 years ago, and we've done five seasons of Legendary since then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Um, so. And uh, I was always a big fan of Dream Car, and I'm always sitting there going, how the hell does he get his hands on this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. My two boys were watching some old episodes because we're fire, firing up a YouTube channel in the new year. Oh, boy. And they were they were going through some old footage, you know, and we're going to talk about 20 years ago, some of the prices and what they are today and how, you know, different they oh, are. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, both my boys were going, 
you got to drive some really cool stuff. Yeah, <laughs> we did. <laughs> so have yeah, you always been a car lucky. guy? Yeah, I, I started buying and selling cars when I was a 15-year-old kid. No kidding. Oh, wow. Yeah, my dad was a welder. Um, so he had some equipment at home. Like, he, you know, he had a compressor, he had a, <laughs> he had a welder, he had torches. And I just started doing body work as a kid in the driveway when I was 15 years old and painted my first car in the driveway. And I thought, geez, I'm making way better money doing this than I am doing newspapers. So <laughs> I thought I'd keep doing it. And uh, apparently your dad didn't discourage you. No, but I, it was funny. I was saying that to a couple of my buddies that uh, I got in a lot of shit. You know, a 15 year old kid thinks that he can, do things that he shouldn't be able to do. And uh, no. I, I remember, I remember painting a car in the driveway and I thought I was really smart. I hosed down the driveway and, you know, sprayed that car, but the wind picked up and oh, I ended no. up spraying the neighbor's garage, my, my oh, dad's garage, the blacktop, the driveways. And, you know, another time I thought I'd be real smart. I rented a sandblaster and figured I could clean it up in the house garage and my dad wouldn't know. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm guessing your parents were picking sand out of there for the rest of the, the rest, rest of their no lives. lives. I was picking sand out for a lot of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and to this day, we don't do sandblasting on the premises here. I bet not. <laughs> At least you learned a lesson. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you have any idea how many cars you have owned? Uh thousands i mean our best year we did i think 450 cars in one year Jeez. and we've been doing it for 35 <laughs> years so i mean probably tens of thousands that's yeah. unbelievable you yeah. said you've said before that the first really special car you got your hands on was a 427 cobra uh can you tell us anything about it, it? how did you it, manage to get your hands on one it, it was actually a 289 cobra and i remember it really oh. well um uh, it I've been chasing the car for a lot of years and the guy finally decided to sell the car and it was in December and we were just getting a blizzard and I finally did the deal with the guy and it was the biggest deal I'd ever done. And, uh, and I thought I got to drive this car and, uh, <laughs> I've got, my wife's got a picture of me with, you know, snowmobile suit on these great big mitts and I'm driving the car in a snowstorm, middle of December. <laughs> you, you know, I got the toucan. I got like, my, my wife goes, "You're nuts!" <laughs> you know? But it was great. It was now, awesome. Were you able to do donuts in the parking lot like old school style? Uh, yep, <laughs> that's my man. I like this guy. You know, <laughs> he's all right. Peter, you're not the first guy we've talked to who's talked about driving a, a 289 Cobra in the snow. Our friend Tom Cotter has talked about doing that in Alaska. Uh, well, a... you, you know what's interesting is Tom Cotter's car was my first Cobra. What? No kidding. That poor car's been beat on. <laughs> wow. it's, been, it's been bear chewed. Yeah, it has. <laughs> you know, Tom loves Fig Newtons, and apparently he left some in that car on that Alaska trip, and so a bear decided he really <laughs> wanted them and chewed his way through the top to get to them. Really? Yeah. Chewy outside, chewy yeah. inside. It, you, should, you should have Tom tell you that one sometime. As wow. He's got great pictures cool. of it. Out of all the thousands of cars that you've had, and good Lord, you probably had a taste of about everything cool, 
have you had one favorite? Um, I, I mean, right now we're doing the flip top uh, Cobra, which is the prototype 427. It was the Ken Miles car. Um, we've, I, I, when I say we, me and my youngest boy, who's just become a real Cobra nut and, you know, 50, 60 sports car nut, spent a lot of time doing research. And there's so many things we didn't understand about the car. And I don't think anybody understood. It is really a Daytona coupe chassis under that car. That car was the trickiest car they ever built. And, uh, you know, the prototype all aluminum 390 with the 58 IDA Webers. And Mm. it was just a really neat car. And being a, you know, a Cobra guy, I think it's just, it it is one of the most special cars we've ever done. And the research has been a, a lot of fun. So I guess that's my favorite car right now. Very cool. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about Legendary Motor Car. You guys have done some of the coolest stuff, the stuff we've seen on TV, and I'm sure lots that we haven't. Uh, tell us where you're located, how you started it. Just if you can give us a, a sketch of the history of Legendary. Sure. Um, I mean, officially, I started as a business in 85, and it started out of a single car garage. Uh, we just got, my, my wife and I had just gotten married and I had a little car and a half garage at the side of the house. And that's what I started in. And then I went to a little 2000 square foot industrial unit. And then we added another unit onto that, but there was a guy in between us. So I used to have to run out the door to get to the other <laughs> unit. And, uh, so we had 4,000 feet. And then uh, five years later in 90, we built our first shop, which was 12,000 feet. And then we moved out here, which is, you know, one street over from my old shop. And uh, we built about 40,000 feet. And then we added on to that. Jeez. And then we just added a bunker that's, you know, holds another 150 cars underground. Um, so right now we got about 75,000 feet. And uh, that's a you know, big just, shop. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. That's a it, great it's big grown. shop. It's grown. That's a, that's a big warehouse. <laughs> so you've been at this for quite a quite a time can you do everything in-house pretty much but the sandblasting we send out some upholstery work and we send out our plating and sandblasting yeah <laughs> it, well we send out the entire car sandblasted but we have you know we have glass glass bead cabinets and you know oxide cabinets yeah. and like we have a bunch of different sandblast cabinets, but they're very contained. Nothing goes out. <laughs> yeah, <tonight. laughs> I'll bet. <laughs> Dad's proud. Again, man. Valuable wise lesson man. there. Yeah. <laughs> so you can paint, you can do some upholstery. Yeah. You obviously uh, do all the metal work and all the suspension work, all the engine work, everything else in house. Yeah. The, the engine stuff we've sent out, we, we built motors here. We do all our trainees and rear ends. And one of my guys is a great engine builder, but we don't have the machine shop here. So we still send the motors out for the most part. We'll do a lot of the tuning here. We'll do engine repairs and we built, you know, the odd motor, but for the most part, because I think the guy that machines the engine should also be assembling it. <laughs> and then, uh, a lot of the race motors, I mean, Yates had built a lot of our uh, race motors for the NASCAR stuff. And, uh, you know, anything sort of really trick, we would we would send to a real race shop. Okay. Yeah. I understand that Legendary wasn't always called Legendary Motor Car. Uh, can you tell us about that a little bit? <laughs> Look yeah, at that smile. Sure. <laughs> I, 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 we, 
we started selling, you know, a lot of Shelby's and it, it was kind of the best thing that ever happened. We used to be called the Shelby shop and we did a lot of Ford products and obviously like the Cobras and the Shelby's and all that sort of stuff. And then uh, probably about four or five years after I started, I got a letter from Carol Shelby and I thought, this is awesome. You know, he's, he's <laughs> sending me a letter to congratulate me on what a great job I'm doing. And lo and behold, it was a CCD yeah. system. 10% of everything. <laughs> the dommage for your homage. <laughs> yeah. And, that was, and it was actually the best thing that ever happened because literally we'd been doing a lot of other cars we were doing corvettes and we were doing all sorts of muscle cars and we were doing some european cars and people were reluctant to bring us their other cars because of the okay. name we were getting pigeonholed and uh so when it was time to change the name i thought i want to have a name that everybody is going to relate to doesn't matter what brand they are into so, you know, hence legendary motor car. If you're into Packards, you think Packards are legendary. If you're into Ferraris, you think they're legendary. So nice. it had to be a very generic brand. Yeah. And effing cool motor cars was already taken. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. so you're stuck with legendary. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, with all of, along with all of the Shelby stuff, our uh, former co-host who was supposed to be here tonight and bailed out on Vern. us, Vern Estes, was supposed oh, to be okay. here with us. And he wanted sure. to make sure that we said hi to you and uh, tell you that he's sorry he missed out on the opportunity to see you. Oh, I, he's a great guy. We've uh, we've had dinner together and we've done some deals. Excellent guy. Yeah, I I love Vern to death. It's just aggravating that a kid that young could know that much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, how many cars do you have in the shop at one time that are undergoing any kind of work? Um. Boy, I, I would say in some sort of stage, probably 30, 40 anyway. Good grief. That's yeah. a, that's a yeah. lot no, of stuff. They're not all ground-up restorations, but, you know, some could be engines, some could be mechanical, some would be body and paint, some would be ground-ups. Um a lot of race stuff and we're we, you know we have a we have a machine shop not an engine machine shop you know lays and mills and all that sort of stuff um so we can fabricate just about anything and we've got some really good chassis guys and fabricators so we've built a lot of our own race cars and that really translates over to making cars work and especially in today's world we're doing you know more resto mods than we've ever done before yeah and a lot of that is, you know, engineering work. We we buy a lot of resto mods too and sell them. And we find that a lot of times we have to um, undo some of the stuff that was done yeah. where it looks yeah. pretty, but it doesn't work. I have a little personal experience with that. I know how tough that can be. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so you obviously do a lot of Shelby work and it sounds like you work on a little bit of everything. Uh, is there one car that you focus on more than all the rest or is it just you guys are good at all of it? I, I mean, it's interesting. we got a, an Aston Martin, a DB5 downstairs. We've got, oh, you know, nice. a, a 59 uh, Chevy pickup truck that's doing a ground up that was his dad's, you know, truck new. Um, we've got a couple of pickup trucks that we're doing. That seems to be the hot thing. We just sold a 43 Power Wagon. That was, you know, with a Cummings diesel in it. Oh, cool. And then we've got, you know, the prototype GT40. We got the first Cobra to ever win a race, LS6 oh convertible. 
you know, I've got a 300 mile Enzo here, an F50. Oh, so just like all over the board, Oof. we just finished doing a 47 Delahaye. Um, oh, so really like Jesus. all over the board. Yeah, Corey's oh, sitting man. in his own sauce. You're going to have to quit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Too late. All right. Well, getting down to the matter at hand, uh, mm-hmm. CSX 3178 is headed to sale yep. in Kissimmee at Meekum here just next month. Tell us about Carol's Cobra. Um, I mean, really cool car. We were excited to get it. And with all of the cars, it's it's really about the story. And I've obviously been a fan of Cobras and Carol Shelby. Uh, we spent a little bit of time with him when we had Dream Car. He spent uh, a weekend up in Toronto at the Toronto Auto Show, and we got to be his sort of liaison. And uh, Cleo was up here with him and, you know, really enjoyed the time together. So I've always been a big fan. And, you know, I think that the movie brought out a lot that people didn't understand. And there's a guy that wins Le Mans as a driver overall, mm-hmm. wins as a manufacturer in 64 with the Daytona Coupe, and then wins as a team owner with the GT40s for a couple of years. And that, like, that will just never happen again. <laughs> you know, that you know, it just, it can't. True. And so I always found it fascinating what he kept as his personal cars. And obviously CSX 2000, which is the first Cobra, which I find shocking that a guy, you know, that had to paint it every weekend to trick the the press. How many layers? How many layers of paint were on that car? Yeah, like there's a guy painting it. I I love it. He was he was a great hustler and a great salesman. But the fact that he kept that car when literally it could have meant the difference between staying in business and not staying in business. Because obviously he was just starting out. Sure. You know, so he kept that car. He kept the last Cobra ever built, like 289. And then he kept one 427. Um, hmm. So I think that the fact that he kept three Cobras, and he, I mean, you know, when he was finished with the the uh, Daytona Coupes, they talked about pushing them off a boat instead of paying for the shipping home. I know. I Freaking When I read real. that story, I about lost my mind. I'm like, what the hell? How, how could yep. you even think that? Well, because they didn't know the thing was going to wind up being a seven-figure car. That It was just a used race car then. Nobody paid yep. any money for them. But there's a guy, again, Carol Shelby, didn't really care about that car, but he kept three of the other cars until he passed and wouldn't sell them. Yeah. Yeah. Just... You know? So, so I, I find it interesting, you know, what did he like? And I think that, uh, um, you know, he, he liked horsepower. Obviously he was a racer in that. Um, and then the color thing is interesting. You know, there's four or five charcoal gray cars which i think is really cool it's a really unique color that cobra had been painted three or four different colors over the course of its life hadn't it sure so the first paint job was the charcoal gray okay um and then the car went and i believe it went blue with a gold nose stripe on it Mm -hmm. and then the car went red after that uh and then we put it back to the gray you did a full. And did you do a full ground up on this? We did a ground up, done top and bottom, killer restoration. And the car, when we stripped the car, you know, to the bare aluminum and the chassis and everything, virgin car. 
I no mean, kidding. it was one of the nicest cobras wow. we had ever done. That's really so, surprising. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it had never been pranged. It had never, you know, put a foot wrong. Um, you know, he'd modified some stuff over the years. So he added the side pipes. He added a goofy roll bar. It looked almost like a kit car. <laughs> I think, in the, yeah, in the early 70s, um, you know, he put an automatic transmission in it. There was rumors that he'd put a 428 in some at some point. When we bought the car, it had a 427 aluminum head motor that he'd put in, a side oiler. And then the only thing we did with, we, we rebuilt that motor, which is a stout motor, I'll tell you, and put the four-speed back in it. So, you know, we left his hot rod engine in it that he put in but we restored it back to day one as far as color, four speed, and all that sort of stuff. I'm going to assume you've done some break-in miles on this thing, and it runs pretty healthy? The car runs really good. We did a video (laughs) that's on YouTube, and I I spent the better part of a day cruising when we did that video, and uh, it was just a ton of fun. I've, I've got to really enjoy that car. And before we did the car, uh, when it still had the automatic transmission in it, we had everybody in the shop take the car for a drive. Really? Oh. Yeah, we took we put everybody in the shop and said, this is Carol Shelby's car. You're sitting in the same seat he sat in. Take it for a drive. Oh, that's yeah. cool. It was that's pretty like cool. That. that would have been awesome. I wish that was part of the shop. Very, very <laughs> cool. So yeah, over the last few years, and uh, this may be partly because of the movie, but uh that wouldn't have had an effect on the uh on the bullet mustang that went for over three million and then uh uh uh, 002 uh ken miles flying mustang uh that Vern was representing at meekum and indy and i got to take lots of pictures of that and be real close to it what a cool car and that thing with the vig wasn't that three seven yeah it was yeah it was you know just short of four million bucks yeah with that going what kind of money do you think you can anticipate out of this what do you think it'll go for i i really don't know but it's funny that you used that um the ken miles r model and then like you know a few years ago obviously csx 2000 sold and it sold for pretty close to 14 million dollars it did it did and you know obviously two things that made that car valuable. One is it was the first Cobra. Mm-hmm. And secondly, Shelby owned it and refused to sell it until, you know, he, he passed away. And the fellow that bought that car, apparently they'd offered a lot more money when Shelby was alive, but he just said, you can own it after I'm gone. No you know, you're not going to own it <laughs> while I'm alive. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, if you, you know, is it worth that sort of money? No, you know, it's the, it's not the first one. It's not that valuable. Uh, is it worth more than an R model? Yeah. Um, (laughs) I don't know how much more I would think. And then I kind of look at it and say, you know, a regular R model, let's call it in today's world at a million five. And the Ken, the Ken miles story added, two and a half times that value. Sure. Okay. The, uh, um, the first Cobra, it added 13 times the value of a 260 Cobra. 
Um, so I don't know. Like, I think it's, it's, it's worth probably four and a half, five million bucks somewhere there. Could it bring more than that? Sure. You know, two guys I in look the room. at it and say you, you had Steven, <laughs> you had Steven Giuliano's cars, you know, the 427 sold for, I think 2.4 million mm-hmm. last year. So should it be worth double what a good 427 car is worth? Yeah, I think so. It'll be interesting you know, it, to see. Yeah. And if you, t- if you take anybody else's, I mean, could you imagine Enzo Ferrari's personal car? If he owned a car from new until he passed away, <laughs> how big a premium that would bring. Yeah. And it yeah. seems like the yeah, Ferrari stuff, sure. uh, even when there were more copies of it than some of the American racing stuff brings just ungodly money. I'm thinking 250 GTO versus yeah. any of the Ford GTs. Uh, it just, that brings a ton of money. And, uh, I, I think we need more recognition. I, I, I'm a firm believer that Cobras, especially competition Cobras are severely undervalued Yeah, and, and GT forties. When you think about it, you know, the GT forties beat the P4, P3, P4 Ferraris. Yeah. A P3, P4 Ferraris, 70 million bucks. Uh, a GT40 is really cheap <laughs> compared to those. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You, you know, you've been at this for over three decades, and you've seen trends come and go. Uh, in your opinion, what are the cars we should watch in the coming years? What What do you think is coming up that's going to be truly valuable down the road? I, I've been a big proponent of buying uh, single and double-digit cars, and then stories and I I don't think it matters if it's art or cars today you know stories are what make the difference and you know prime example was uh, a couple years ago there was a Schumacher F1 car that uh, you know say it was worth three or three and a half million dollars was fair market I was trying to buy the car before it got sold and uh, the owner of the car ended up putting it in the Sotheby's art sale in New York. And the, the big pitch around that car was art designed in a wind tunnel. Had the right driver, had the right brand, but all they did is put a, a story attached to it and said, it's not a car anymore. It's, it's a piece of art. It's a piece of history. It brought 7 million bucks. Wow. It brought double what it would have brought at a car sale. So I think, you know, what a lot of collectors are looking for are unique stories that can't be replicated. You know, their buddies can't buy tomorrow. And, you know, in today's world where a low production car is, you know, a new Ford GT is, you know, I don't know what the exact number is going to be. They're going to build 1,200. An 06 GT, they built 4,000 of them. Um you know, special production Porsches like 980, you know, they built a thousand of these and a thousand of those. I think if you get single and double digit production numbers, you have a shot at that being valuable going forward, you know, and, and the stories. All the stuff you've been able to have your hands on over the years. And again, by your own admission, tens of thousands of cars. Is there one you've wanted to to lay your fingers on and you haven't been able to? What's what's the yeah, one that got away? Ultimately, a, a Daytona Coupe uh, Cobra 
And, and I got to drive the Le Mans winner. It was Miller's car at, uh, on the TV show at Watkins Glen. And I got to drive the Ken Miles GT40 that Ooh. weekend as well. And, uh, and I missed a Daytona Coupe years ago at a million dollars. I missed them at $4 million. I missed, you know, Meekum had the one at $7 million. And today, I don't think you could buy one for $30 million. Wow. You know, wow. and they're all in the hands of people that certainly don't need to sell it and, you know, don't want to sell them. Yeah. And um, I think it's the same with, you know, compare it to a GTO Ferrari. There's six of them built. They won Le Mans. They beat the GTO Ferrari. And they're still, even at $30 million, they're less than half the money. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right, now, the best question we ever ask anyone, and it's my favorite by far, and it always gets the best response. What's the dumbest thing you've ever done in a car? <laughs> Non-sexually? <laughs> I don't know. You could set a new precedent. <laughs> so, so I would say... Uh, uh, I took a guy for test drive and, and I used to street race a fair bit as a kid, which I don't think anybody should do. And I tell my own kids, it was a different time. Yeah. Don't ever do that. Mm, yeah. You know, and it really was, you know, but uh, I still remember taking a guy for test drive at our old shop and it was a, it was a 930 turbo Porsche Ooh. and there's this great S band by our old place. And he was in the passenger seat and I, I was I don't know how fast I was going, but I was going way faster than we should have been going towards the S band. And, and it was kind of over the crest and around the corner, they're doing a tar and gravel rechipping of the shoulder and they've got a dump truck there. They got a guy with a little sign. There's gravel all over the road. I get into the gravel and I mean, the thing is doing a tank slapper. The guy with the little sign is in the ditch, like jumped out of the way. <laughs> we snuck between, between the dump truck and this other truck there. And the other Italian guys running behind us, ready to kill us. <laughs> Neither one of us say a word. We get back to the shop and I look at him and go, so what do you think? Are you interested in the car? And he just looks at, he just looks at me and says... I think it's too much car for me. <laughs> so I would say the dumbest thing is trying to street race or go way too fast on, you know, uh, public roads. <laughs> flies, flies. Uh, I, I don't think you're the first person to do that. No. But you're probably the first one to do it in that hardware. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, we've... We've burned some cars to the ground that we shouldn't have. We've we've had some, you know, stupid things that we shouldn't have done, but it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> we've been speaking with Peter Clute, owner of Legendary Motor Car Company. You can find all of the social media links for Peter and Legendary on www.readthedriven.com. Peter, I can't thank you enough for being with us. We really appreciate having you on. Wish we had more time to go dig into all the other stuff, but... Uh, we uh, will have to have you back. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. I really enjoyed it, guys. Thank you so much for spending time with Driven Radio. We love what we do, and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our listeners. Uh, honest to God, was that a great guy? The dude, wow. 
What what a what a cool guy to talk to. And even he's, off mic, he was awesome. And he's Absolutely. done a little bit of everything. He's he's driven, worked on, or sold a little bit of everything <laughs> since he was fifteen. Son of a gun! <laughs> yeah, no, okay. And he can weld. Right. I'm pissed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am really angry. He's not the only one he can weld. <laughs> yeah, but he admits he can do it, and I hate that because I'm so jealous. Well, he doesn't and really he well. because his dad just happened to have a welder. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that helped. That does help. <laughs> hey, you can find us online at drivenradioshow.com. Read the driven com follow us on facebook twitter instagram god this is such a long list facebook twitter instagram at driven radio show and listen on itunes soundcloud spotify stitcher amazon music audible pod news iHeartRadio, Acast, the bus stop your neighbor's house uh we <laughs> are fillings. everywhere baby you probably hear it in your feel- fillings yeah <laughs> hold the radio up to your head Uh, I am Brett Hatfield for Corey Pratt and Catfish Groves. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time here on Driven Radio. 